Hello, and welcome back, Skeletons. I'm back from hiatus for just one special episode with my friend Zach from the Lordrand and Beyond webcomic. He recently launched a Kickstarter collecting a bunch of his early kick, excuse me, his early webcomics into a physical edition, which I jumped on immediately. And uh, I hadn't talked to that dude in almost four years, so it was fun to jump on the mic and kind of refresh our memories about Souls games, talk about the excitement of Elden Ring, talk about how much we like Sekiro, all that good stuff. Um, So podcast is still on a hiatus. This was just a one-off, but I hope you guys are doing well during the quarantine. I love you. Hope you're safe. And I hope you enjoy this episode. It was it was fun going back because uh, I guess mm-hmm. Dark Souls three had just been released. Um, no DLC had been released yet. We talked a lot about Dark Souls two. Oh, it was before the DLC. It was before okay, the cool. DLC. I think um, I was I was pretty sure it was twenty sixteen, but I couldn't remember. I, I you know after DS three, but I couldn't remember if it was in between the DLCs or after DLCs. That was a while ago. It was it was a long so. time ago. Um, it's weird that yeah that, that Souls has been around for so long anyway, and then I can talk about a podcast and say like, oh, it was four years ago that I did that podcast. That's very weird. But um, yeah, it was also before Sekiro was before Elden Ring was announced. Um, it was mm-hmm. um, kind of a, that was a, before Neo before, especially before Neo two, before Neo two, before Neo. Yeah. yeah. Like um, it's been a long time and like the, the landscape has changed, but I was curious, like just right off the bat, like where are you at in your from software fandom right now? Like where are you, are you still playing Dark Souls? Are you still going back to Dark Souls 2? What, what are you doing? Uh, so I will try and keep my Sekiro um, run through pretty brief because obviously you've, you've talked immensely about that, I'm sure, in the past year and a half. Uh, but I, I did play Sekiro, loved it. Um, and then later in 2019, I went to go visit one of my friends in Germany, uh, Carla, who goes online as Weitstans. Uh She's the person who I partnered with for the first edition of of LNB. And, uh, I just did a while staying with her. Cause I know it pretty well. Any of these souls games, once you know them, you can kind of blaze through them. And you know, what was a 40 hour game or 45 hour game is now like 15, you know, or under 10 even. Um, so I placed, I, I blazed through bloodborne and after playing Sekiro, I was worried like, you know, this is, and I played Sekiro on PC. So it's like, this is a game running at a very super, not reliable 30 FPS. It looks gorgeous, but like, what about that performance? Like, what about not being able to jump? What about, you know, actually having stamina again? And just all the things that made Sekiro feel so fluid and intuitive and unique uh, that makes it, in my opinion, you know, the game of the year 2019 when it came out. Uh, I was worried, like, will Bloodborne hold up, you know? Because I think one of the things after people played Bloodborne, that's why Dark Souls 3 kind of went into, like, a faster-paced direction because Bloodborne was so successful at that. And, you know, to kind of amp things up, you just generally made things faster. So I was worried Bloodborne might feel too sluggish or slow, but it's perfect. I played through it, loved it. It's still an utterly amazing game. The DLC is spectacular, holds up beautifully. I think that going through um, the uh, fishing hamlet is just one of the coolest areas ever in a Souls game. Like, the way they handle it, like, just the creepy vibes. It just feels so unlike anything in Bloodborne or Dark Souls. Uh, yeah, I, I think the series still holds up. I played through co-op with one of my friends in Dark Souls 3 right now. 
Uh, it's my first time going through the Dark Souls 3 DLC since that released, uh, and we're doing that in co-op. It, it, it trivializes so many things. I played the Dark Souls 3 DLC on like New Game Plus 4 or something. <laughs> yeah, so, of same. course, a lot of the bosses were very <laughs> tough, especially because I have that sense of innate, irrational pride where it's like, Souls game, first playthrough, got to do everything solo, you know? Uh, he, fortunately, for his own benefit, doesn't, my friend doesn't have that kind of um, pride to himself. So he's like, fuck it, let's just do a co-op. I just want to get through it, which is not them. You know, in my opinion, I don't go through a Souls game like it's junk food. I, I don't eat it just to consume it. I want to savor it. It's like, it doesn't come around very often. So his mentality about getting through it is strange to me, but I'm helping him. And uh, it is it is really fun and satisfying. A lot of parts of the DLC I had forgotten about. Uh, and it's really cool to relive those. So yeah, Dark Souls, uh, Bloodborne, they hold up. Even even in the wake of Sekiro, which is still a pretty different game, but obviously shares some pretty, I would say, important DNA with those games. It definitely does not make them obsolete in any way. It's it's interesting that you said that about your friend kind of experiencing the game differently than you want to, because uh, I, I've I've been playing less Souls games. Um, just because mm-hmm. like we we're out of them, right? Like um, I'm doing a yeah, I'm doing a co-op run in Dark Souls Two with my buddy where we're doing like he's Orn Stang and I'm Smug and we're doing like really goofy <laughs> cosplay builds. But like that's just like that's f- cool. fun that's on the cool. weekends. But um, mm-hmm. watching streamers and stuff because uh, I started watching uh, right around quarantine started. I got really heavy into watching Mario Maker streamers. Um, and Ooh, that's a cool idea. Yeah, and there's there's some crossover there. Like there's there's dudes like seem to like. Souls games, but they like Souls games for entirely different reasons than I'm used to. <laughs> like Dark, yeah, Dark Souls Three yeah. is is huge with those guys because of the mechanics and the and the playability. Like they like the builds and things mm-hmm. like that. And the other games are are less good to them because they're missing those kinds of things. Um, but yeah. it's it's very like uh, co op focused. Like I want to play with my buds. I want to run through. We want to kill stuff. And to me, I'm like I want to very carefully explore this world and be terrified by the beauty of it. Like it's just it's too totally. <laughs> Yeah. different experiences absolutely i think that's why in the, in the previous episode when you know you asked me what would i want to marry with a souls game i think resident evil for me shares a lot of that similar appeal where just soaking in and walking through the environment is is wonderful as michael huber of easy eyes would say take it me like appreciate your surrounding you know mm-hmm. soak it in <laughs> set the tone um i think that's the best thing about the souls games uh is is appreciating and, and kind of methodically exploring that environment. Even if you do get through an area without dying, you know, on your first try or something like that. I think that's, it's still so, uh, engaging and haunting. Um, and, and co-op is still fun, but it's, it's in a very different way. Playing co-op, especially if you're doing things for the first time in the game, doesn't speak to the strengths that the souls games have for me, I guess. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Like I, I'm very much like you in that um, each one of these is very precious to me. So I want to experience it as much as possible. So like I, I might allow myself to get summoned into a randos world if I want to practice a boss mm-hmm. or like during my first playthrough. But the idea of like being on a microphone and chatting with a bud during that, like it's, it's like, it's like watching a David Lynch movie. Like everyone shut the fuck up. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm doing yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, and I, I don't want to sound like so elitist, like you have to do it without no, no, yeah. to play every, by my rules, but all things are I, valid. I think that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's, it's different for every player. I, I think that, you know, if you are playing a souls game for the first time, or if, if you're, don't have experience with it. If even if the difficulty is intimidating, I think that you should at least try it 
going through areas or bosses on your own, even if you will end up summoning, which is totally cool, I think there is something special to just kind of experience it with that kind of like isolating, overwhelming factor uh, that is, I would say, severely diminished when you have other people helping you out. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I, um, it's interesting. You, you, you brought up the Resident Evil thing. Um, at the time in our last conversation, the only Resident Evil I'd played was the fourth game. And I think I played it on like the Wii or something. Um, since mm-hmm. then, like all of the remakes have come out. And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and just in kind of a weird, <laughs> just, in, just because, you know, human beings are, are full of <laughs> complex emotions. I did the opposite with the Resident Evil remakes where I've like streamed them with my bud and experienced mm-hmm. them that way where he had played them a bunch. I had never played them. So like he was in my ear the whole time. There was no taking an E and appreciating my surroundings. Oh. It was just, ah, going crazy <laughs> during the remakes yeah, the entire time. I gotcha. And they were super RE2 fun. Remake yeah. Is, yeah. RE2 remake is wonderful. I think it's great. It's, I, I'm sure that if you've exposed yourself to any of the, the feedback or kind of the, the zeitgeist around those games, there are some things that I think the original remake two or sorry, the original RE2 is better than its remake, but I still love remake two. Remake 3 is a different story that I won't get into now because it's not what we're talking about. But mm, I was pretty bummed to hear that uh, Nemesis, the the archetypical pioneering video game stalker, was a less intimidating stalker than Mr. X was in Remake 2. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of a bummer. It's a bummer. I got to say, as, as a new player, uh, I was I was just as terrified of Nemesis as I was Mr. X. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay, like... that's... All right. There, there is one really good section where... Uh, Nemesis, it's when you're coming back from the power station and Nemesis chases you when you have to go uh, reroute the tracks for, or like the route plotting mm-hmm. for the subway and mm-hmm. then you make it back to the subway. That section's great because it's Nemesis stalking you while you have a separate objective because the appeal of a stalker in this case, I think, it, like Mr. X does this really well. There's other things and other enemies you have to contend with while Mr. X is a factor. Uh, and the problems themselves, the things you had to overcome aren't that much of an issue Mr. X himself is not that much of an issue. You know, the liquors in this hallway may not, may not be that much of an issue, but when you combine all three, it's like, then you have to start thinking about things differently. Yeah. Uh, there was one section with Nemesis that I thought really did that. The rest of it, I, I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I can uh, understand that. Still a fun game. Still a fun game, but it was, uh, it was a lot that didn't make it over, unfortunately. It, it made me think a lot about the original design intention behind the Black Knights and Dark Souls 1 and how those were supposed to be, like, roaming enemies um, that would... Really? Yeah, they, I don't think I knew this. Um, I can't remember exactly where it comes from. I think it's an interview in one of the art books or something. But, yeah, the original intent mm-hmm. was to have them, like, roam around so it would be, like, a surprise... You know, just like the Mr. X thing, where you're all of a yeah. sudden you're, you're doing something, and all of a sudden you hear a thump, 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 and you're like, your heart drops, and you just want to run away. Oh, <laughs> um, I would love that. I would love that. I, I feel like they probably have something similar in mind for the pursuer in Dark Souls Two. He does not really pursue you <laughs> no. much. You have Sorry. one impromptu boss fight, and then the actual boss fight, and then if you want to be a badass, you can fight the two in the throne room, and that's it. So yeah, he pops up. Uh, he just kind of hangs out. Like he has like given territory that he is covering, and then like yeah, like oh yeah, you, you can't have that there. chest. Like I'm not going to stalk mm. you, but I, you can't have that one. I'm not going to pursue you. I'm just going to wait. Yeah, um, I mean, even if they could have done it, even just for like a, a specific instanced area of the game, like maybe he doesn't follow you dynamically from like a named area to named area. But maybe this one section, you know, after the bonfire, but before the boss, like he's something you got to contend with kind of like the angel enemies in the, um, the ring city, mm-hmm. uh, that will, I, I wouldn't say they stalk you, but they are an ever present nuisance. You've got to deal with, which I thought was pretty neat. I like their setup a lot. I, um, it makes me really curious, uh, about Elden ring 
which is, you know, we, we know very little about, except it's the biggest thing they've ever made. It's open world. Mm-hmm. It's got this backstory about George R. R. Martin. But I I care less about some of that stuff than I do, like, what mechanics have they really wanted to do? They've just been kind of limited via hardware or via, like, the memory size on game consoles or whatever. That Can they now pull yeah. off in, in, like, 2021, right? Like, Roman enemies are really high on that list for me. I, I, yeah, I would love anything. Because on one hand, when you are going through an area in the Souls games, um, I think the orientation and the setup of specific encounters done in really um, certain ways is extremely important. But I think there is also some kind of like emergent fact you can add to that. Bloodborne kind of teased this slightly. You have the roaming hunter mobs in Central Yarnum uh, that are still more or less in a fixed encounter because they'll walk to wherever they stop and then they stop <laughs> or, you know, you might have the werewolves that kind of traipse back and forth across the bridge, uh, in front of the cleric beast. But largely, um, it is something that feels, uh, really undertapped. Um, Sekiro does this differently because you have like guards that will patrol like with patrol paths almost, you know, cause it has, a, it's kind of a stealth game too. Mm-hmm. Um, with bigger environments and more sprawling world. I totally agree. I think that, you know, having, more emergent fights, stuff that feels a little bit more dynamic. Maybe, I don't think it's going to be in this scale, but maybe something like Dragon's Dogma. Oh, I yeah. I think would be kind of cool. Be, uh, be still my heart. Cool, like, <laughs> fights that just pop up. That, that was really neat. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Wolf Sunton um, packs arisen, etc. I like the, uh, like, what Sekiro does that I thought was really interesting is, like, as you progress in that game and as you kill more and more of the generals in this, like, you know, as, as they're your enemy, it allows the enemy of your enemy, like more and more access. So I always loved returning to those early areas and finding them like fundamentally changed by the stuff that I was doing, even though I had no idea what, like, Oh, that's a, that's a general guy. I'm just going to kill the dude so I can go on this quest to save the boy or whatever. Uh, but it had like real world political ramifications. And like by the end of that game coming back and it's just an absolute war zone. And I was like, holy shit, this is great. This is yeah, amazing. It, it's really cool. I love the progression in Sekiro. Um, it's a little arbitrary how it's all done specifically by time of day. But it's a, the, just the time of day. First of all, time of day changes in games are wonderful, whether they're story dictated or if they're dynamic. But I love how you st- Start in morning in Sekiro after you get your prosthetic, and then by the end it's nighttime. Just the whole vibe of every environment you're revisiting has changed. You have to uh, progress through the same environments through different routes because you don't have access to all of your idols that you did before, and the old routes don't work anymore. I thought that was really, really cool. That's a really smart way to get a lot more mileage out of your existing levels that I appreciate it without it feeling like retreading at all. Like never once did I feel like I was, Oh, I have to go, you know, through the castle upside down now. Like I never once felt like it, this was anything but like new and exciting when I was going through there. So I was, I was all yeah. into it. And they add in a lot of new enemy types at the end. Uh, yeah. A lot of those ministry soldiers are really cool. You don't fight them a ton. I mean, I think most of the fights with them, you can actually avoid. Uh, but the fact that they add several, ministry type enemies that are so distinct just at the end of the game is really cool. Now we just need, they gave us uh, the Sekiro, the boss rush. Now they, now we just need Sekiro chalices and we'll be set. Right. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> give me my Sekiro, man. like my Sekiro rogue, like so that I can just stealth and have fun stabbing dudes without having to worry about killing a boss. Yeah. Just the mechanics are so fun. It's that's the thing. Like my, my chief complaint with Sekiro, I would say is that I feel like some of the mini bosses get reused maybe one too many times. Um, and I wish that looting was a little more 
productive because you're not finding new armor. You're not finding not having new weapons necessarily makes sense because the katana is such an important part. Although you do get new prosthetics, but there's a lot of stuff that is like. Here's another Mibu soul balloon. Here's another pot shard. Here's more money I don't need to use. I wish that when you're going out of your way to find items that you could find stuff that was more unique. But that feels like me attaching just Dark Souls-style RPG expectations onto a game that isn't necessarily that. Uh, and it is really grasping a straws for a game that is otherwise just, like, sublime. So... Well, I think even like going to Dark Souls three or uh, I mean Bloodborne suffers from this problem quite a bit of just like you pick stuff up and it's just not very exciting. Like the loot is just not super interesting a lot of the times. Um, and- yeah, that's that's what comes with I think just having like pared down because you, you can't find that many weapons because the weapons are a lot more complicated, so there's fewer of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get some kind of like the hunter tools, which are kind of like spells, but you probably don't really know how to spec into those or use them properly in your first playthrough, and they're not that useful. Like, they are useful, but they're not, like, soul stream. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. not a Dark Souls magic spell. And, and you know, just even in, in Dark Souls 3, there has tons of weapons and stuff. Like, oh, it's a it's a slightly different X. <laughs> and, yes, you know, yeah. I, I think, if, yeah. like, Hollow Knight does uh, finding stuff really, really well. Like, everything I found in Hollow Knight, I was, like, grasping onto. Um, but for some reason, like, I, f- I feel like that's going to be an issue with um, anything that, the, anything that from software goes for, like an Elden ring. I'm really hoping that they, I, I don't know. Like I want to find pieces of armor in that game and be able to dress my dude up and all that stuff. Like I, I really want to, I really want to do all of that stuff. So I'm curious how they're going to handle it. Yeah. I, I think that will be an issue. I think that they're probably really going all out on making sure that you have all kinds of crazy looking armor you can get and you can wear and like, your headpiece and your legs and your chest piece and stuff. I think one thing that would be kind of cool, um, and this is for me having spent the last eight months basically playing nothing but Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> but I think <laughs> being able to dye or color certain parts of your armor in like, you know, different patterns yeah. or something would be really neat. Um, but that's like, you know, the FromSoft art direction team is totally on point, so I definitely don't feel like I need to dye stuff for me to think it looks cool. So Yeah, I just, you know... I think about games like that. I'm trying. Can't remember the last one that I played that had just like a really detailed, probably like Monster Hunter, um, Monster Hunter World. Like just oh really, yeah, Monster Hunter. Just absolutely. really detailed character customization that I can just go mm-hmm. absolutely nuts with. Or, or the way I see everybody, literally every single person on my Twitter feed playing Final Fantasy 14 or Destiny or something where they're dressing their character yeah. up in crazy fashion. I am 100 percent one of those guys for sure. <laughs> I, I I I fell hard into 14. I never got into an MMO before, but then 14 grabbed me and is still clutch and tight so it would uh the near raids almost got me to download it that was the thing where i was like maybe i could and then i just he- would hear my friends talk about like the slog of the early game and i'm like you know what i have it, other ga- i have other the, games the to sl- play for real the slog of the early game is rough but i w- so if you're playing through the main story up to level 50 those quests are kind of standard the story's okay it's not bad it's the stuff in between level 50 and then getting to Heaven's Word, where you get your level 51 quest to 60, and like that shit is horrible. <laughs> it's real bad. Um, there is a great payoff. I would say that if you do get into it and you are enjoying the game, it is worth the slog because the payoff up to Heaven's Word is great. Heaven's Word's amazing. Stormblood, in my opinion, is severely underrated, and that has the Evilise raids, which are Final Fantasy Tactics and FF12 themed, which are so good. Uh, I have not started the near raids yet. Um, I just finished this Shadowbringers main story, so now I get access to all that raid content. Oh, fine. Um, okay. So I will be jumping into the near raid probably pretty soon. I um 
I, I want to switch tactics a little bit. Uh, switch topics. Sure, a bit. of course. Yeah, we didn't come here to talk about Final Fantasy, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, please do. We came here just to talk, so we're we're good. Yeah. But, um, uh-huh. The you originally started out just like I did with Demon Souls and mm-hmm. um, kind of shelved it, and then came back to Dark Souls one, and then went back to Demon Souls, if I remember right. Yes. Um, yes. How do you feel about the Demon Souls remaster? Well, I am one of those lucky, glowing individuals that managed to get a PS5. So, and I say that like I'm, I am saying that with some kind of you know cynicism and uh, facetiousness. But I, I am fortunate. Like a lot of people, really want one. They can't reasonably get one. It's tough to get. So, uh, I, I was, I was just lucky enough to get one. Um, and I got Demon Souls, of course. I think the remake is sublime. It obviously has some changes that I don't think are as good, in my opinion, compared to the original. Um, some of the art design changes, I think, are like, you know, lateral changes are slightly worse, but they don't really measurably hinder the game for me. Except for when you get to uh, Alant. Alant looks way less cool in the remake than the original, in my opinion. That's the worst art design change. Yeah, it's, but, it's interesting because that was the reason that I wanted a PS5 so bad. Um Mm-hmm. And I've ended up not actually playing a whole lot of it. Like I've started a couple of saves oh. and just, there's something about it that like, I know it's good. Like, <laughs> like I know, I know, I, just, I don't know if it's something with me or what, like I just have to hit that game at a certain time. Cause sometimes I'm like that with video games where, you know, I, mm. I slept on breath of the wild for probably two years. And then despite owning a copy of it and then got completely addicted to it uh, last year but so maybe like in two years the demon souls remake will finally grab me but there's something about it that i just it's it was it was kind of like watching i don't know it's like watching I, I, when i was playing it i was like i've played this before but this is not quite what i want like i almost wanted to just boot up the ps3 version and i couldn't my mind couldn't handle it for some reason i don't know why <laughs> Dang, yeah, I'm I'm usually pretty forgiving when it comes to my standards for like a remake or a remaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, what I really wanted out of Demon Souls, obviously, for a remake, number one thing is for it to just run well. I don't even need it to be like a blazing fast, perfect 60 FPS. Although the remake does that, and I'm very appreciative of that. I think that's a great, great change for it. But just make it run at 30. Just make it so that when I'm running past the dragons on the way to the boss in 4-4, the game doesn't drop to like 6 FPS. Like, <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, make it so I can send things back to the item box. Like, just There's some stuff, like either technical limitations or design limitations, that I don't think make the game feel more hardcore. It just makes it feel like it's a lack of consideration for how the game works overall, specifically with item burden, which is... I wish they would have just gotten rid of it entirely in the remake and just made it so that you yeah. can only carry certain amounts of each kind of grass. Like, if they want to limit how much grass you can carry because it's easy to spam, sure. But I think item burden is a really outdated concept for how it works in the series, and there's a reason why no other game since then has used it. Uh, they do have it in the remake, but they let you just send shit back to the item box anyway, so that's cool. Like, yeah, so it doesn't matter, and that's, that. that makes it even yeah, better. Yeah, it doesn't matter, yeah. ultimately. Um, so they they kind of design around that in a neat way that I appreciate. Um, I think the remake made such a strong impression on me at first, just because seeing that intro, you know, in glorious 4K, or at least, you know, on my 1080p monitor uh, downsample 4K. But seeing that intro with the music, uh, loading it up, having such a cool, much more expansive, detailed character creator that made, I was able to make a character I liked how they looked, which I thought was really cool. Um, and you, you can't really do that in one, in Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls, in my opinion. Uh, so being able to do the, the remake was great. Um, 
I I love that it it's not it's a game that was you know a lot of its crucial components were made during COVID, and it was probably crazy rushed and scheduled to meet the PS5 launch, and it did. And it's not missing any crucial elements from the original, and it has some smart new additions and changes that I appreciate. So, uh, and, and in my opinion, the parts of the game that are most memorable and important to me, like Tower of Latria 3132 and uh, both sections of Valley Defilement 51 and 52, are amazingly recreated. I think they did a spectacular job on those areas. So, uh, I was I was sufficiently impressed. From start to finish, I'd say. Excellent. Good. And I know like 90% of the people I talked to were super happy with it. And uh, there's a small contingent mm-hmm. of people that are like, actually, the art is bad because of XYZ. And I'm not necessarily one of those people. I just, I I actually found myself tempted to boot up the PS3 version after because <laughs> I still have my PS3 hooked up because that's the kind of weird nerd that I am. But like, I, oh, I, yeah. And it's and it's and, and look, it's not good. Like it doesn't run great. <laughs> it's a, <there's>, I'm filling <laughs> yeah. in a lot of gaps. You know what I'm saying? My memory yeah. is doing a lot of work for me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm eager to try to get back into it. Um, but I've been I don't know. Video game time and quarantine has been so weird for me. I don't know if you've been. Obviously, you've been playing Final Fantasy 14. But like in general, have you seen your taste change at all during like the last year or so? Um, I've become even more sick of, uh, skill trees. I don't want to deal with skill trees in any game I'm playing. I'm fucking Fair. over it. I'm tired of it. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV does not have skill trees. Thank you for not putting that in your game, Square Enix. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of skill trees. Um, I'm tired of open world games that do skill trees. I, especially, I, I'm tired of it. Um, yeah, I don't think anything major has changed in tastes. Uh, I got back into playing some Apex Legends. That game's pretty fun. Uh, they're nerfing Caustic like crazy tomorrow. That poor guy, my main. Uh, rip. Um, but uh, yeah, it mainly, you know, I have played other stuff. I've played Demon Souls. I, I, I actually, uh, in quarantine, I play. I started a fresh file on Sekiro on PS5 and platinum that again. <laughs> so I've got... <laughs> I got all the trophies in Sekiro twice. The double Um, plat. Have you done, have you done all of the boss rush stuff that they've added? I haven't even, I haven't even touched it, any of that stuff since it came out. uh, I did the first one and Mm -hmm. it's, so the first one is, um, uh, Oniwa and then Lady Butterfly and then like a new version of Genichiro. And Oniwa is about what you expect. He's pretty straightforward. Uh, and you use your, whatever version of Wolf you have. So you use your current save file with all your items and your abilities and stuff. But the bosses will scale up to match like an endgame wolf. So Oniwa is still pretty easy though. Then Lady Butterfly is has way more health, so she just takes a lot longer to kill um, than you know on your first playthrough. Then you get to Kenichiro. Now Kenichiro has new moves and his patterns are different, and uh, that is rough because if you die, you have to do the other two boss fights again, um, and that doesn't sound that bad. But doing that version of Lady Butterfly again takes a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I did the first one, and I think that unlocked... Because you get... They had they added a few new outfits you can wear for yeah. both. Um, one of them you get for just finishing the game. So if you load your save file, you get it automatically. One you get for doing the first uh, boss rush, I think. And then the second boss rush, I think, has six bosses in it. Um <sighs> And yeah, it's it's rough having to fight the other two bosses just to get to this new version of Genichiro. Which is tough and different. Um, I have not done that second boss trial yet, unfortunately. That game's so good. Um, there, there's, I think, there's, 
there's yeah. some there's some seams you can pick apart at it but man like just playing through that game for the first time and I managed not to spoil myself on like some of the crazier error areas. So I'd never seen um, the temple. I'd never seen Fountainhead. I'd never seen like so much of that game was just like constantly wowing me and bowling me over with its environmental design. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm right there with you. Um, I, one of the coolest moments uh, when you kill the guardian ape and then he gets up with the sword and picks up his own oh head. Like God, I had, <laughs> I wasn't spoiled on that. Thankfully that moment was so cool I, <laughs> and I love seeing how other people react to it seeing like um like compilations of streamers and stuff just like freaking the hell out or like putting their controller mm-hmm. down and being like yes i finally did it which is exactly like I, what i did right like i was mm-hmm. i remember like putting the controller down and like whoo okay got him like that one yeah. that one didn't even take me that long <laughs> yeah it says shinobi execution i'm done right i'm good it's like yeah. when you when you beat the second version uh, form of uh frida in the dark souls 3 dlc and it gives you the titanite slab and it's like oh we did it and then she starts talking again <laughs> it goes into the third phase like that's it's so, oh, good. It's so good it's so good yeah. um <clears throat> well i want to talk about uh while i have you here um you're doing you're in the middle of a kickstarter right now um, yes mm-hmm. so uh, I originally, for for those that didn't listen to the first episode or for those that forgotten, I started following you on Tumblr like years and years ago. I think even before you started doing webcomic stuff, I think you were just doing like, you were just reblogging Dark Souls stuff and it was just a fun Yes. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, originally the, the Lord and Beyond blog was fuck yeah, praise the sun because the kind of like the, the theme of Tumblr at the time was you have something you love and you put fuck yeah in front of it and that's like a fan blog and you follow that and you get a ton of material dedicated to whatever that thing is so yep uh and then you you started doing web comics um you Mm -hmm. you started a patreon you were paying artists um i've interviewed a couple of the artists that you've worked with since then Um, really oh who have you talked to um i I hope i don't because i don't know if their name changed but that the animator nick chu nick chua nick nick oh i didn't know you talked to them awesome yeah Yeah, their stuff is great Um, for sure they actually animated a little my little skeleton logo for me. I'm so happy it made it all quickly. Oh, that's have, cool. I, yeah, I, I had somewhere. no idea. Um, that's awesome. But since then, you're you're doing a Kickstarter. Why don't you tell the people like what the Kickstarter is and like why Dark Souls fans should be so excited for it? Sure. Um, so, uh, Lorgen and Beyond is a Soulsborn, you know, Dark Souls slash Bloodborne centric webcomic that uh, ran from 2014 to 2020. Uh, through 2020, I think I'd kind of, you know, the Souls games had obviously basically stopped releasing. Dark Souls 3 was 2016. Um, and I had pretty much told all the stories I wanted to tell, and with all of them finished, I was pretty sure it was time to put them all into print. I had got a lot of questions over the years, like, hey, are you going to put in a book? Like, how is this going to be in print? And there were a few hurdles because i wanted to do it but i had never done it before i didn't know how expensive it would be i had no idea like what how many people would be interested in buying this the idea of crowdfunding specifically for the book occurred to me but you know it by the end of 2020 there's almost 300 pages of material there's a lot of comics oh wow that's a lot (laughs) yeah it is quite a bit um and I like that's a lot of, to print. That's a lot of pages to format, and I'd have to re-letter so many things. Like, and what if you know, if I want to print something that big, it'd have to be pretty expensive. The Kickstarter goal would have to be pretty high. Like, what if I invest so much in this, and I you know get all the material ready for it, and it's going to be a banging looking Kickstarter? But then, like, what if Namco or Sony C and D it? 
that was my biggest fear is like, what if I invest so much into making this Kickstarter look as good as it can? And then it gets shut down, which I didn't think would be the case. Cause there have been other, like the you died book, for example, I believe was kickstarted and that went fine. There have been mm-hmm. other souls esque fan projects that have been kickstarted with no issue, but still it was always in the back of my mind. Like just what if, let them make that horrible board game. So let let anything happen happen now. Is the board game not good? I, uh, I'm I'm not a board game guy. Um, so, but I had a friend come down who's a big dark souls nerd, just like me. And we spent, Mm -hmm. we busted out. Uh, we resorted to watching rules tutorials on YouTube for an hour as we tried to, and we, we managed to have zero fun in the three hours that we spent with it. Oh my God. You have to look up a tutorial to figure out how to play the game. It's not like like intuitive. And even then, like we would, we would get like one step in and it, the, it was so brutally against the player. Like we actually were like, are we doing this right? Like surely they want, they were, they're going to give us like more (laughs) ability to win than this. Right. And everybody I've talked to, Uh, that has played it and enjoyed it like creates their own house rules around it and of course the figurines were great oh, everything man. looked very pretty but yeah. Uh, I, yeah that's why I, I did not even on the Bloodborne board game because I think it was made by the same company I was like nope I'm out I'm not, not touching it even even your figurines can't tempt me so yeah with that level of depth you would think like just make it almost like a tabletop RPG in that case uh, but I, I, I guess that is a different genre that's a whole different beast mm-hmm. um but uh, I think even the Dark Souls uh, board game, that is officially licensed. Um, it is. So, yeah. yeah. yeah so I, I didn't, I actually got the in contact with uh, someone who worked or works. I don't know if they still do, but they worked for uh, Bandai Namco. And I was in correspondence with them about getting some kind of approval or just okay to do this. Never heard back. <laughs> I got one response, <laughs> explained to them more about what I was doing nothing um so i really did go out of my way to try and and try and get like official approval or at least like you know we'll leave you alone on this um and so that kind of scared me off for a while was because i i was too afraid to invest in something usually that i wasn't 100 percent sure would work out basically and that's on top of the other challenge of kickstarting something that's ambitious and large in scale of it's going to be like a 300 plus page book right Mm -hmm. um but uh since then, I've been investing more in getting some of my own original stuff off the ground, um, and uh, I started looking back at crowdfunding for Kickstarter, and there was one idea that I created a really detailed pitch for that I sent to a few different publications, uh, and I am really happy with how it's turned out. Unfortunately, still, you just either get non-answers or rejections, which is devastating, but at that point, it's basically like like Thanos opening up the vaults and putting out the gauntlet like fine i'll do it myself so (laughs) i prepare like i'll just fund it on kickstarter um and i started doing as much research about how to successfully do a kickstarter there's a really great podcast called comics launch that's this is amazing it's a weekly podcast about specifically doing comic and graphic novel kickstarters and it's weekly so this guy knows his stuff because he can talk about different subjects and facets of it every single week um and it's very, very helpful. And uh, one of the things that he mentioned in one of the episodes was like the number one thing that's going to kill your project, like dead in the water, is if you're too ambitious on the first time around, you don't have enough like um, reputation, uh, you don't look like a reputable creator yet, and you have an ambitious project that you could probably do well with a $16,000 budget, but if you set a $16,000 goal, you're going to struggle to make two. So, like, Start as small as you reasonably can and go from there. And that, like, 
that like flicks something in my brain. Like I don't, I have so many stories. Why do I have to start at printing all of them? Like, you know, I, if I, this was initially about my original thing I wanted to do, and then I transitioned back like, but wait, I, I have so much material I already have. I don't have to pay an artist to draw this stuff now. So the funding goal can be way cheaper. And I don't have to do a 300-page volume initially just because that's what's cool, I guess. I can start with something smaller, like 60 pages that's just done by one particular artist um, and have an appropriate funding goal. So that's kind of like the ladder of steps I followed to get to this conclusion. And when that happened, I was just – I set up as fast as I could. I talked to Weitstand. We got everything prepared. Um, a really good friend of mine, uh, Chris Blanco, who did the first, who did, he did the art for the first LMB comics ever, which were Dark Souls 2 centric. Uh, he has a massive Twitter following and he has a wonderful graphic design artist. So he's been helping me out a lot as well. Um, so between the three of us, we got this Kickstarter wrangled, um, set a three and a half K goal and it has blown past it to say the least. Um, yeah, you're almost double course, that now, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's doing really well. Um, I thought that the the tiers of stretch goals I had planned out were maybe a little too ambitious at first, uh, but now I'm pretty sure we're going to make all of them. We're a little... Uh, let me see. Actually, I'll just go to the page and find out exactly where we're at. Um, but I think we're a little over... Yeah, we're a little over $1,000 from the final uh, stretch goal I set up. So, mm-hmm. like, near... In the second half of the campaign, I might have to set up some more stretch goals and then figure out some other stuff. Um, but Which I, is I'm great. Really, that's, a good, that's a good problem to have, right? Like, that's awesome. It, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really thrilled and excited. Um, but at the same time, like, when you see these numbers, when you see, like, how generous and supporting people are, it's like, it also fills you with a kind of anxiety. So it's like, okay, I like, I have to wait until obviously the the campaign is finished before I can do a lot of specific things. But okay, now... I should start lettering all the pages and get like anything I can do now. I should do now. <laughs> so to save you the time, to touch up or reformat or re-letter, like I should do that now. So I know it's probably impossible to uh, pick amongst your children, as it were. But um, if you were trying to kind of get somebody um, to 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 check this out, like what's one of the stories that you would recommend that they start with, or that they or that how would you how would you pitch this to somebody just like come look at this web comic? It's about X Y Z. Sure. Um, let me think. Uh, let me go to the website real quick, and I'll just scroll through and see. Um, I think there's probably two in particular I would recommend, and uh, for pretty specific reasons. Early on. When I was doing these comics, um, and this is something I would recommend any person who's interested in writing comics, or if, if you are not the artist, like if you are someone who wants to try comics and you're not the artist, you should get some money just to pay someone to draw some pages for you in like a little self-contained story, whatever it may be. And it will be expensive. It's definitely not cheap, but I think that any aspiring comics writer should do this because they should work to try and see how their writing and their pacing is influenced by basically what they're willing to spend. Um, so to reflect that in a lot of my earlier work where the stories are generally shorter is like with less money, I have to more carefully tell more self-contained stories that aren't as long. And more specifically, they have to rely way more on, I would say the reader's innate knowledge about the subject matter. So 
if someone is not familiar with souls, but they read the, the comic with Creighton and Navlin, they would probably be able to pick up some things and maybe understand the gist of it. But there's a lot they're missing if they don't know enough about the game. Um, conversely, I think um, probably the three I would recommend reading if you have minimal experience with souls. I would say uh, there's In Her Service, which was done by so many people. Um, Chris Puglis did the line art and the comic page design. Uh, Rachel Saunders slash Baru did the colors. The cover was by Witness the Absurd. Uh, the sound effects in the pages were done by Weitzstons. So a whole bunch of people worked on that. And I think that story has, it's long enough, and I think you get to see enough of the characters in it that without outside context of Dark Souls or even just cursory exposure to it, you can still get the gist of it pretty smoothly um, and still get a satisfying read out of it. And I, I think that some of the stuff that I'm most proud of is in that comic. I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Uh, um, another one would be uh, Sunlight Metal, which uh, was drawn by Higgs Bison. And that one, because it's just two guys fighting a monster and one guy is enthusiastic. And it, it, it's basically just like the cheery guy. And like, it, it's Solar and Loudrick. So it's, you know, cheery, excited versus dour and dark and edgy. And I just think that kind of innate mashup of clashing personalities has a lot of appeal and charm to it that you don't need to know a lot about these characters or why they're there, what they're doing. It's like they're fighting a monster. One guy's mushier than the other and it rubs off even a little bit on on <laughs> guy number b with the cheese grater faceplate <laughs> so i feel like i feel like you've accidentally described most of the podcast that exists in the world of like one happy guy and one sad guy <laughs> in <the case laughs> yeah of- <laughs> i mean that is that's one of the um that's why a lot of uh romance and dramas and buddy cop shows are you know, partly that's why a lot of different aspects of fiction and genre or just chemistry between people work. And I think that if you like that, then Sunlight Metal is a great one. You don't need to know Dark Souls. You just, if you appreciate these character archetypes, then you'd probably take that. So, you know, Souls characters are famous for having, <clears throat> excuse me, having a potentially like involved storyline around them, but not necessarily much of a voice inside the game. Um, most mm-hmm. of our NPCs, they, they have a you know handful of sentences that they tell you and they move around based on the actions that you may or may not accidentally do during the game. Sometimes they just die yeah. for no reason. Um, <laughs> yeah, Estrava's wandering around 1-1. One, one. You have no idea what's going on. He's just going to die from enemies somewhere else in the level. <laughs> Sorry, that quest line's over. <laughs> um, you can never get the key he drops. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you, you have, you have screwed yeah. yourself. Yep. Uh, what is it like, like adding voice to these characters? Because um, since... Since we recorded, I have um, been exposed to a lot more of, let's say, fan fiction. Like, we've had some fanfic mm-hmm. writers come on. I've read more of it. I've had friends that write it. Um, I joined, like, a like, Christmas exchange, and someone was like, I want I want you to write fan fiction for me. So I tried it myself, mm-hmm. and I had fun doing mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. What, what's it like for you to, like, give more voices and actions to these characters that... Like, do you kind of have a mental map of the way Solera would handle a situation? Or do you try to, like, how do you try to inhabit those characters to give them a voice that's not necessarily in the game? Uh, well, you know, any a webcomic like this or Lord Jr. Beyond, just period, is, is basically fan fiction. It's gussied up, so it's, I think, more attractive to a wider audience, but it's totally fan fiction. And I have written a lot of fan fiction in my day before this. So, uh, it. 
ex- extrapolating on vo- like canon voices that only have so many lines or you know only react in so many ways to different things. That is something that is super super appealing to me. And uh, most games will have characters that have way more voice lines than in a Souls game, which are oftentimes you know they do have uh, they're reactive to a certain extent, um, but they're overall pretty limited. But each voice line, like just the dialogue in general, is so well translated and so well localized, at least into English, that it inspires a lot of imagination and possibilities about each character. And I think that is uh, something that's extremely easy to get wrapped up in. It's very fun to consider, like, if things have gone differently, like if these two particular NPCs had interacted with in this kind of circumstance. And I think that if you appreciate... If you're playing the game, or you know about it, and you appreciate a character in the game for the kinds of things that they say and the value they add to your experience, um, I think it's very easy to imagine and kind of invest yourself into other situations about what that character might do, and and, in an honest way as well. Interesting. I love it. (laughs) Do you have have an easy link for people, or should I just put the link in the show notes for the Kickstarter? Oh, sure. Um, I actually have a bit.ly link. Uh, yeah. Hang on one sec. I will drop that for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I Like I said, I, I have big um, history and fan fiction, which obviously fueled this. Uh, and I think it's really cool to extend that and share that with, like, an artist when creating a comic. And uh prose is different from writing comics and prose is different from a finished comic and it's cool to see like how you can translate what you can just conveniently say with a single line of text in prose versus how you convey that like how how you would convey so many different lines of prose into a comic panel uh and what that entails and that stuff is really fun too i'm excited bit.ly slash lordran um Usually we, we kind of finish these conversations by um, asking what you want to see from From Software in the future. It's a, it was funny listening back to your old episode where, like I was talking, it's like, they have, don't have any announced projects, but definitely one of them is Armored Core. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Swing and a miss. Hey, I mean, <laughs> games take a while to make. Oh, yeah, know. absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, no I would be right there with you. I, th- I thought we would have seen Armored Core by now. I'm shocked we haven't. So Yeah. But what are you at the, at the time? It was Resident Evil Souls, uh, which is still an yes. extremely valid answer because uh, I yeah. was I was I was talking with a friend of mine, and he's like, "Oh, I remember I remember Resident Evil Souls guy." And I was like, "All right, cool." Oh, um, awesome! Yeah. But uh, like now, like you know, we, Elden Ring. There's there's further rumors of something sci-fi, maybe with the Expanse writers. Mm-hmm. Who knows if that's true? Whatever. Like, but for oh you, my god, that sounds like fan fiction. I know, <laughs> but, right? Like that's that. We'll that's just. Yeah. I'm just just I, I, I'm just doing that to tease my own self. Like the yeah, Expanse writers yeah. teaming up with From Software is, is, sounds crazy, but um, man, that would be a thing. The last time we talked, we were like, you know, don't really want a Dark Souls four. We don't want a Bloodborne two. We want new IP, mm-hmm. and now we've got Sekiro and we've got um, Elden Ring on the way. So we're like, are you just kind of content with? Hey, I'll I'll take it when it comes. Or do you want to see them do what? What do you want to see them do? Uh, I'm always down for new IP. I'm always down for. Um developers and studios I love to experiment and, and try new things, it's especially, I mean, this is going to sound like having my cake and eat it too, but Hey, if you want to take in this case, 
the Souls formula I love, and you want to put it in one of the most uniquely awesome settings ever and translate it. So it's like basically a Souls game, but not quite like what Bloodborne and Elden Ring are. Like, I'm down. Like that is like you get your new IP, and I still get something I love. Did you play? Um, did you play Jedi Knight or Jedi Knight? Yeah, Fallen Order. Uh, I played some of it. It mm-hmm. was okay. I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Okay, um, but I love Respawn. I love Respawn Entertainment. Um, I love the Souls formula, of course, but it it didn't have that secret sauce to the combat. It felt kind of floaty and a little unsatisfying, in my opinion. They um, there was a couple of boss fights that uh just really like it, it was it felt very Sekiro which that game was compared to a lot when it came out but um really okay yeah the, so, but like there's there's still like you got to kill a lot of star star troopers to do that right okay. <laughs> like you got to yeah, you got to go see. through a lot of a lot of a lot of chaff to get to the good stuff but when you beat mm-hmm. the game um they did something really interesting which they they unlocked like a build your own combat trial where they give you an allotment of points and uh, a, 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 every single enemy type in the game, which is assigned a point value, and you put them all in a grid, and then you can fight your way through them, including any boss combinations that you want to, up to oh, and including like cool. Darth Vader. <laughs> like it was, it was really intense. It's made me really th- curious where they come from. But yeah, some of the when you when you start talking about this, put anything, put that Souls formula that you like into any other IP. Like that's the mm-hmm. one that I would, comes to mind because. It was close. It like it, it it really tried. It tried its best. Yeah. Didn't Nier Automata have like a debug room thing like that in it? When you yeah, they, they did some weird stuff some because there's that uh, one Twitter that does all of the the weird gifts. The Soonly Legend, I think. Um, oh, Soonly Legend. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, dude, and, and like you used to see like weird combat. I'm like, where is this in the game? I didn't see any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I remember I unlocked something with the debug mode, which I was not going to play with, but it's like that's cool. Like that. Uh, Yoko Taro is just going to be like, all right, now here's not literally a game dev utility or asset, but here's kind of like just a test room for you to play with stuff. Maybe like we would have played with enemy types in an isolated environment when making this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm also with you. Like I'm, I'm down for yeah. uh, I, new IP of any kind. I'm, I'm super excited to see what, you know Miyazaki fronting that company is going to do over the next ten years. So, I, yeah, he's already. I think Dark Souls three under you know since he became president of FromSoft, uh, that is the best selling. Sorry, it's the second best selling non Nintendo Japanese game of last gen. That's insanity. It, That's insane. it's Absolutely. outsold every Resident Evil. It's outsold every Tomb Raider, every Gears of War, every Halo, every Final Fantasy from that gen. The only Japanese game that wasn't Nintendo that outsold it was monster hunter world that is uh, i is mean nuts and like we, it's absolutely it, insane it's crazy because the fandom i think still has the idea that we're like small <laughs> we're definitely not i know yeah it's weird <laughs> dark souls 3 sold more than final fantasy 15 that's what? that's what what world <laughs> are we living crazy. in that's yeah exactly yeah. they're all on the same platforms too they are all available on the same platforms it's not like final fantasy 15 was exclusive and that you know limited its appeal although i think exclusivity is a, a man a matter of like I guess limiting sales is almost kind of a myth at this point because you have Mario Kart and Nintendo games selling 30 million copies, Animal Crossing selling 30 million copies. Yeah, yeah. You have Sony exclusives that are selling 10 million, 15, like God of War sold over 10 million, like Last of Us Part Two sold like almost four and a half million in its first weekend. It's, you know, you just, geez Louise, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man, 
Yeah, I, I think that exclusivity limiting, um, at least with the right marketing, if people attach the identity of your game to a certain platform uh, and it's really good, I think it's going to sell gangbusters now. I think it's just kind of like the mentality that uh, the market has. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they're willing to buy the box to play the game if the game is good. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm okay. Oh, there was one more thing. I did have a specific thing I want. Uh, I'm okay with Souls fan service, too. Um, I don't need a Dark Souls 4. I'd like a Dark Souls 4. It, the, the, some of the stuff in the Elden Ring leak looks like Dark Souls 4. So Absolutely. Totally there, there's a giant glowing yeah. tree in the background. Like, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks more like Dark Souls than I expected. I'm not complaining. Um, but uh, I think something that would be super fun, and you don't even need FromSoft to make this. You could have a different studio do this. But I think some kind of four-player, fan service themed action game, almost like Gauntlet, or Helldivers, or maybe more like Vermintide. Okay. I played a lot of Vermintide 2. I love Vermintide 2. You could, like, a four-player action game. You go through levels. You hack stuff up. You level up abilities and get new gear, maybe. So sort of between, like, an arcade game and a, a hack-and-slash looter type thing. Uh, I think you could do that with, like, Solaire and Lautric and Lucatiel and, you know, maybe you could have a boss in there. You could play as Ornstein, or maybe Ornstein is a boss. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of potential to have like a like a kind of all-in-one Dark Souls hack and slash co-op adventure game that I think would be badass. I would love that. Especially like if you get the voice actors back, like the banter that you could have to extrapolate on <laughs> Absolutely. character. Like that's what I want. Like yeah, I want to yeah, see, yeah. That's these what you're characters going with. have voice lines of each other. You basically want like um I can't remember like the Age of Calamity kind of games, right? Like, like just something like with a bunch of different characters to mow through some stuff and have a lot of fun with. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not Muso specifically, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, definitely something co-op. I think would be wonderful. Like you could play with M- Muso was like, the word I was trying to look really for. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did play the the first Hyrule Warriors, I enjoyed it. Oh, I'm playing through um, Persona Five Strikers, which is way less Muso than I expected. I'm not complaining. It's it feels like a Persona game first and foremost. Uh, but um, yeah, I think even that kind of setup, if you had co-op, would be super fun with a, like a just a Souls theme kind of going on. I mean, we and everybody's always been looking for the Souls dating game. And I think you can make it happen. I think we can do it. Yeah, I think we can finally do on. it. We have <laughs> three games worth like of K- characters. KFC, <laughs> Colonel Sanders gets a dating game, but you can't date. Solaire, <laughs> what, what's the point? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And I don't want it to be like Doki Doki, Doki Doki Literature Club, where it's like everyone gets a horrible ending because every Souls NPC gets a horrible ending. Like, No, 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 no <laughs> absolutely want, we want not. <laughs> we want everybody living on the farm yeah. raising chickens at the end of the game. That's exactly, the <laughs> yeah. Everyone gets their, their farm alternate universe ending. So. It's like I basically want like the the, the out out the box Tekken endings for every character that I finish the game. Oh as, my god, right? Tekken <laughs> like, endings are wild. Yeah, <laughs> I want I want Soul Calibur in style yes. endings for my video games. Like, so, oh my god, I played so much Soul Calibur six. I've played an insane amount of Soul Calibur six. I went to Evo in twenty nineteen with for Soul Calibur six and got like in some way out of like i think 800 participants i think i got in like two i I won six matches at least and i got to the end the top of my pools and i fought against the best nightmare player in the world and i it was bad it was so bad (laughs) um i was doing so well because when i started i my the first match was very close but i won and then i just kept doing better and better in each successive match and then I played that. I, I'm really, to be fair, there's nothing I think I could have done with my skill set at the time to really 
make that winnable, but it was nasty. It was also <laughs> the only fight that I played that was streamed. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, what am I... So, yeah. um, when oh, like when the internet was still relatively new, this would have been around like 99 or 2000, me and my, uh-huh. like, I was in my 20s, all of my friend group, like, got really addicted to Soul Calibur 2 on the Dreamcast, like, mm-hmm. hours, hours and hours at our houses playing it, whatever. I got online and there was a city, like, uh, like an hour from us, and these two dudes were like, we're the best Soul Calibers in Louisiana, and I was like, not even. <laughs> That's not even close. <laughs> yeah, like, I live in my world where we're the best Soul Caliber players. <laughs> like, no one's better than us. So these... I got, you know, started talking trash on the internet. These two dudes drove an hour. Actually, at the time, it would have been two hours for to, like, my friend's house where we all sat around and, like, played Soul Calibur together. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. It was so good. And then we, like, we were having a party later. So, like, it quickly Mm -hmm. turned from, like, nerds into, like you know, weird early 20s party. And so these two nerds from, from this town were like, we're just going to leave if you're not playing Soul Calibur. We're like, okay, bye. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, well, Zach, thank you. The party, like, thank you so Soul much. Calibur's done straight up. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming back on, for talking about the Kickstarter. I can't wait. Uh, as soon as I saw that you were doing it, I, I immediately pledged. Um, so I'm, Thank I'm you. I appreciate it. it. It's a lot of stuff. I'm When I share it with, I'm, I worry that I've used up all my lifelines by sharing this with people because sometimes, you know, I have, I have a very dedicated D and D group. We play every week. So the first people I talk to about this are like, Hey guys, I'm doing a Kickstarter. I have no idea how it's going to go. I, I really don't know what this looks like. If you guys want to pledge when it goes live, here's the time. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. All of them did. Uh-huh. And then from there, uh, yeah, I just D and D group, like Rodney, Mark, Tyler, Binks, Zach, different Zach from me. Uh, like, Y'all are amazing. Um, and uh, I mean, they've already pledged on Kickstarter. Man, Don't make them listen to a podcast about you, too. <laughs> I'm not going to, but who knows? Maybe they dig this up in 20 years when they're looking for blackmail. Um, but uh, yeah, it's whenever I share it with other people, it's like, hey, just share. Th- I know I'm not, I swear to God, I'm not telling you to pledge it. Please just share this with other people. If you know Souls fans, let them know. I'm just trying to make sure it's seen by as many people as possible. They always pledge, like, oh my God, people, thank you. <laughs> I guess it's. it's um, I think that's one thing that if I could take one piece of advice to give to people who are considering a Kickstarter is do your research, like research as much stuff as you can. Um, and also don't underestimate how supportive people in your life will be on something like this. I think you'd be surprised by how giving they people can be uh, if they see that you're really behind something and care about it. So they will want you to succeed. Absolutely. Um, tell people where they can find you on the internet. So we, we know the Kickstarter bit.ly slash Lordran. Where, where mm-hmm. else can people read your comics, read your thoughts on Twitter? Yeah, of course. Um, the website is lordranandbeyond.com. Uh, I'm not really doing any new stories. Um, maybe in a future Kickstarter for a graphic novel, like doing an anthology of some of the existing material, maybe a, a goal or something would be like, I'll do a new story of this series or something. We'll see. But at the moment, it's all basically finished material. Uh, you can go to the website and read all the stuff at lordrandbeyond.com. Um, on Twitter, I am at cursed sirkai s i r k a i. So if you want to check out any specific thoughts I have about stuff that probably doesn't really matter, feel free to follow me there. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on and talking with us. We very much appreciate it. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're closing up at pretty much the hour mark, from what I can see. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. Uh, 
haven't done this podcast in a long time, so I don't remember how to exit it. (laughs) It's been a a little while. Um, I I can tell from the stats that some of y'all are still out there listening, and that's very, very much appreciated, Um, even though the podcast has been on hiatus for a while. It's going to remain on hiatus. I'm basically just finding random people that I want to talk to and talking to them about Dark Souls and Kickstarters and whatnot. So um, just bear with me. Share the podcast if you want to. Um, buy t-shirts if you want to that supports us we very much appreciate that there's a public discord if you want to, if you're looking for other souls fans to geek out about elden ring or bloodborne or there's actually been like a really big conversation about retro from games on the discord lately so if you're into you know kingsfield or armor core or um that eternal ring i think it's is it eternal ring that you can play on ps4 um, uh eternal i think so there's also um Evergrace is that a FromSoft game? That's the Evergrace is a FromSoft game, yeah. Yeah, that, um, uh, look, there's um, look up on YouTube. There's a specific song from Evergrace. It's like shopping at something like whatever fictional town is. Like, look at that song. It's one of the worst composed video game songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's like it's probably worse than the RE One director's cut basement music. It's terrible. The uh, Eternal Ring has some some weird music, but also some hilarious voice acting in it. So it's it's worth it for that. Oh yeah, it's super early gen PS2. Yeah, I'm sure it's yeah, a blast. Yeah. It's also weird because you can just download it on PS4 now. Like it's one of those PS2 on PS4 games. You can just that's get it. so like that game. That's yeah, weird. What a it's weird so strange. It's, um, I mean, they're getting the fan base ready because Elden Ring is actually a sequel to Eternal Ring. A hundred percent secret. Yeah. yeah, every FromSoft <laughs> game is a sequel to every other FromSoft game. That's the yeah. that's the trick. That's the thing you always have to. Yep. Uh, but thank you everybody for listening uh, I might be back soon I might be back not very soon we don't know but until then remember don't give up skeleton alright yeah thank you man I appreciate it that's really cool yeah, uh, I'm going to export this file and send it to you just in case you need this